Welcome to the Super Fantasy Bros Podcast, which is part of the Triple Play Fantasy Network. I am one half of the team, Kevin Coleman, and I am joined on the podcast by my smarter co-host here, Jacob Dunn. Jacob, how are we doing? Doing well, man. I got to see my baby boy today via ultrasound, and the doctor assured us he's healthy, so I'm riding on cloud nine right now. Hey, it's getting real now, huh? Getting that second kid, it's a whole game changer. Too real, man. He's due in like a couple weeks, so... Let's go. Uh, I mean, I'm excited. Another fantasy football mind out here to get him trained and get him ready to go. But yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> your, your wife's going to love that. Well, on today's show, um, we are covering second year players who have the best chance to break out this season and our favorite sleepers in redraft and dynasty. So let's go talk about it. Here we go. Now, before we get to those, before we start talking about breakouts and sleepers and all that, um, Jacob, do you have any news that we want to cover real off the top? Any NFL guys? Yeah, so reports from New England Patriots training camp is that Mac Jones has a legit shot at starting. Uh, so, you know, keep that in mind as we go throughout our the offseason. Like, there there is no reason to adjust your rankings yet, but just keep that in mind because that could – change the whole landscape of how we draft all these Patriots players. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be an interesting, uh, what do we do with cam um, redraft wise too, especially, I think that has a lot of significance redraft wise, because that's going to be, that's going to be a hell of a situation to try to figure out there. And do you trust Belichick and his coach to speak? Right. I, you know, I hate coach talk. I don't yeah. trust Belichick more than anybody else out there. Is there, any, I love segues. Let's do a segue. Is there any other coach out there that you trust less than Belichick? Cause I saw some, I saw this on Twitter and I thought it was pretty funny. Trust less than Belichick. I mean, yeah. I don't trust uh, Pete Carroll when it comes to passing the ball. Uh, but <laughs> as, as far as overall, no, there is no one worse than Bill Belichick when it comes to fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, Belichick, you burned me too many times, my friend. Too many times. Don McVay came super close when he was when he was uh, when he was like a three man. Uh, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and Malcolm Brown last year, which we'll get into later, but it's still Bill by a mile. Oh, God, yeah, the Malcolm Brown show. Uh, damn it, Big Bay. Like, you drove right. me nuts last year as an Akers owner with Malcolm Brown out there uh, just getting all the touches, even over Daryl Henderson, even in those yep. games against the Dolphins in those games. Uh, all right, well, hey, before we talk about breakout players, because I always see that and it frustrates me to no end, like, oh, he's my breakout. Well, he's my breakout. But before we talk about what that is, we got to define it first. Mm-hmm. So, like, I really want to know what does it mean to you? Because it means everything differently to different managers, like in different analysts. Like, well, breakout means this. Because it could mean, like, a tight end six going to a tight end three. It means they're elite. Um, to you, what does breakout mean? Breakout really means, like, where where did they finish, where did they finish last year? And are they going to jump, like, you know, like 10 to 15 spots this season. Like, do you think they're going to break out, like break the ceiling of what they showed us last, last season? Uh, You know, let's just say like, let's just say that Robbie Anderson finished as a wide receiver three. Is he going to break out and be a wide receiver two or one? You know, like that's just, that's just, that's just a random example, but you know, you know, like a mediocre player last season, is he going to be good? a good player last season, is he going to be great? And then a great, like a great player last year, is he going to be otherworldly? Like we want to know who's going to break into that next tier. Okay. No, that's fair. I think the tier is important, right? Like who is going to be that next guy? How do they step up where those tiers go? Mm -hmm. I put some down, but like, I think it's two. I always break it into two. Like can a player become relevant and can a player become elite? So when I'm looking at breakouts, like, okay, like quarterback, a player outside the top 12 finishes in the top 12. Well, then that's a breakout season. Like, okay, well, he became more relevant in terms of especially redraft. And then you look at it like, hey, can someone finish that's outside the top six, finish inside the top six? So I like Tannehill was a guy that went from 21 to seven last year. That's a breakout, right? Like that's, that's pretty legit. And then Kyler Murray went from seven to one depending mm-hmm. on where you looked at him and Allen. Um, those are two separate breakouts to me. Like elite, like Kyler Murray's elite. Like I drafted Kyler Murray last year as my QB, as the QB2 in Dynasty in a startup. And I got kind of crapped on. And now it looks like, oh, that's actually right. kind of the right move. Oh, actually, Kevin's a genius. 
Huh. Well, well, I also said Darius Gash is going to break out, and he decided to, you know, get in trouble hey, with the law. So that's not your fault, though. He could have. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of red flags there, Jacob. There was a lot of red flags that I decided that didn't matter. Um, but anyway, let's move on from guys. Uh, and then, like, same thing with running backs, right? Like, I, I look at running backs like top twenty-four. Like, hey, do they break that top twenty-four barrier? Did they yeah. get in there? Yeah. Um, and then wide receivers, same thing. Tight ends, it's really top three for me. Can they get in that elite and in top six? But the, the after three, <laughs> tight ends are just – it's hard to, to represent breakouts there. Uh, but, like, a guy like – it was interesting to see. So, when I was doing my research, uh, David Montgomery actually went from 25 to six. But mm-hmm. I don't see anybody calling David Montgomery a elite breakout type guy, right? Everybody says it's schedule dependent, uh, all these different things. Are you on? What are you? What is your opinion of Montgomery? Because he is technically finished a six, running back six last year. Did he have a breakout, or was he lucky? Do we call luck? What is luck? What is luck to you, Jacob? So I don't exactly call it luck, but I do think that he was gifted this perfect schedule, and the fact that Tariq Cohen was also hurt, so there there was nobody there in Chicago to challenge him for any touches. So it was the David Montgomery show, but. This season, Tariq Cohen. is back, and so is yeah. Damian Williams, who could also steal some touches. Now, there is a coach-speak report that Montgomery is going to have an even even bigger season with more touches. And, and, and to that, I say I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not going to adjust my rankings one bit because there are running backs back there chomping at the bit, and there's also an Andy Dalton you know, he's starting, and even if Justin Fields starts quickly, it could help a David Montgomery, but Justin Fields could also face those rookie lows. So Montgomery is just a middling RB2, like, you know, like RB12 to 16, probably more towards like that 16 range right now. Okay, so you don't – so you want to look at – especially like he had a – so would you call his last season a breakout then, or would you just say it was a perfect storm of everything that went right? I think it, I think it was a perfect storm. Uh, you That's know, fair. he was he he was like RB twenty something before that crazy schedule came, and then he killed it for those weeks. You know, which yeah. he should have, and he did. You know, like I'm not taking anything against him. He performed like he should have in the games against the lower bottom rushing defense teams. You know, like he did his job. It's just I would not call that. A breakout. Okay. You know, I mean, I think it's hard to define sometimes, right? Like, okay, right. can they get in those next tiers? He did get in those tiers, but was it more about his surrounding cast? But should we should we incorporate that into our breakout, like kind of our barometer, right? Like, okay, right. look at this guy. He has a legit shot. Like, I think one guy is Hawkinson. Like, everybody's mm. talking about Hawkinson all over the place. We're not even talking about him, but we know this show. It, does, it goes on tangents. Like, so Hawkinson, people are talking about him being a top three tight end. That would be if he did finish in the top three, if everybody stayed healthy, that to me is an elite breakout. I don't think that's going to happen, but he does have a pretty good scenario around him where he's at situation, target, volume, everything, where he could accompany that. But if he was able to get in the top three based on the talent at that tight end position in the top three, I might still consider that a breakout, right? So there's like there's kind of a nuance to it. Right. Right, right. And Hawkinson has has the advantage of pure volume just because who are who are the targets going to you know upper shot perriman and tyrell williams i mean it's it's it it is going to be the hawkinson show how many yards he'll get is to be determined but he will get those targets for sure so he has that ceiling but i'm not trusting him as a tight end three honestly <laughs> yeah no no that's fair hey the no tyrell williams slander on this show look at this look at this jacob just throwing him under the bus there all right let's <laughs> Let's get to let's get let's get to what we're here for. We're gonna shift gears a little bit, and we are gonna talk about Cam Akers as one of our breakout second year guys. And he's been in the news a little bit. Uh, Daryl Henderson being there and all these different things. So, what is your take on Cam? All right, all right. So, Cam Akers. Let's reflect back on the 2020 season. Kevin, did you know or do you remember that he actually started the first two games? I did know that, but yeah. he, he didn't he didn't uh, perform the way I would like. Right, right. So I mean, like the hype train was there, even though like Sean yeah. uh, Sean McVay said that it was going to be a committee to start. The Rams wanted him to start and to take over. 
Uh, but, you know, like you said, he underperformed 14 carries for 39 yards. And then the second game, three carries, and then he got hurt with a rib injury. Uh, so, yes, McVay wanted that backfield to start with a committee of Brown, Akers, and Henderson. But, you know, the injuries led way to Daryl Henderson starting for most of the season until – you know, uh, Cam Cam Akers came back 100% healthy and was pretty much a healthy scratch. Uh, you know, for two weeks there, he played on two percent of snaps and and four percent um, of snaps. But then, you know, weeks eight through eleven, he started to average more carries. He averaged about eight point three yards per or. 8.3 attempts per game. And then he went on to dominate the Rams backfield from weeks 12 on averaging 21 and a half carries for 85 yards, you know? Uh, so, you know, he also grabbed two catches for 24 yards, averaged that in that span. So, you know, not to mention acres was a beast in the, in the actual NFL playoffs as well. I know that fantasy was over, but the Rams trusted him even when Daryl Henderson was, was 100% healthy he was just sitting there on the sidelines as acres totaled 46 carries in those two playoff games for a total of 221 yards and two touchdowns so i think that the rams want to give acres the ball 100 percent a la like they did todd Gurley a few years back you know i, I think that's fair uh i i just if to me it just depends so right now in redraft he's going to adp 15 so around 203 202 203 204 right. in that category running back 11 um i'm okay with drafting acres as my running back too like mm-hmm. i think that's a very safe floor right and look at me talking about floors even though i don't like floors but i think he's a very yeah. safe running back floor i i mm-hmm. I, I, I like henderson so don't get me wrong like I, I think that henderson is a very serviceable back i think there's probably gonna be some games where he vultures touchdowns from cam um that's a legitimate thing that's just gonna have to happen i think in ppr i really like cam Akers because i think he can get targets in the game uh he didn't see a ton of targets last year but those last couple of games he saw three each and he had four the last year or the last game of the year against arizona so i, I do think they're gonna get him more involved uh, in the in the offense there. I like Cam. Um, I don't understand why people are so down on him. I've been seeing him like really fall down a little bit. I, I still think they're going to rely on him in that, in that three wide receiver set. They do the play action there in, in Los Angeles. Uh, McVay still is one of the best offensive coordinators in there. I don't think like people keep saying that, oh, he got 29 carries. So that's a good thing. He's not going to 29 carries in, in in the regular season. I would, I would honestly say 21 carries is a good barometer. Like that's a good base for him. Like 21 carries, Four or five targets, scores a touchdown, a very safe floor. I think I think he could average around fifteen to sixteen fantasy points per game. Is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah, and as you said, Daryl Henderson is being hyped up right now thanks to his low to ADP. He's take he yeah. is being drafted as the RB forty eight in the twelfth round. I understand taking him late in a best ball situation just in case Cam Akers gets hurt, but unless you have the intention of handcuffing Akers in redraft leagues, I wouldn't draft Henderson there you know like Henderson good you know he could get five carries a game to give Akers a breather but this is Cam Akers's backfield and the Rams drafted Cam to be their bell cow guy uh you know I think that Akers is easily the top of my tier three running backs along with Antonio Gibson and Clyde Edwards Elaire and DeAndre Swift and to be honest Akers is actually creeping his way into the bottom tier of my tier two, which, which would be Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones. Like acres is almost in, in like, in like a tier of his own where I would like to get acres. Like you said, as my RB two, like in the beginning of the second round to couple him with a Chubb or with like an Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's, I think that's a, totally fair there um i you're gonna be getting them in that in that beginning of the second so roster building wise redraft wise i think like you had talked about you could you could actually pair chubb and acres together uh yeah. if you wanted to and oh. i think that's a great duo right because you have top five potential with chubb and then you have acres with high potential there with a safe floor i right. like that i i do like that dynasty wise i love acres i mean he's going as running back eight in dynasty 
Uh, and I think that's fair in Dynasty because like what we just talked about, I think he has a two-year uh, – I always do two to three years, but two-year window here where he's going to be perform very well in a high-powered offense with Stafford being there. He's not going to have to really fight for those. I think that's a better than Goff was. I think he's going to get the targets. I, I do. I, I like Akers in Dynasty. I actually think, like you said, there, I, I basically out of the class last year, I would still take Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift. But it's close. I'm a Swift truther, though. So in Dynasty, I think he's a little bit more talented. But then Akers is, for me, the third guy. Like, that's the guy in there that you want to grab in Dynasty. That's fair. So that's the guys there. So I I would say draft Cam. I mean, Cam is legitimately um, in in one of the best offenses in the country, uh, in in NFL. He has the ability. He's going to get the volume. He's going to get the targets. Uh, I I don't worry about Henderson as much as some guys do. I think Henderson's touchdown dependent, injury dependent. Yes, yes. And on top of that, Akers has a huge upgrade at QB, Matthew Stafford. Yeah. So, so, I mean, like, yeah, everything is going Cam Akers' way for a true breakout this season. Yeah, no, I agree. So, uh, first guy was Cam Akers. Uh, wh- we're going to talk about the second guy because I absolutely love this second guy. Uh, so, Jacob, why don't you tell us who the second guy is? The second guy is C.D. Lamb. I know this is Kevin's boy. He's on the boys. I mean, he he is an absolute beast. And even though he had a somewhat of like an inconsistent rookie season, he still finished as wide receiver 20, uh, you know, despite losing Dak Prescott, you know, and dealing with the Andy Dalton of it all. Um, you know, on the season, he – Averaged 6.9 targets, and on those 6.9 targets, he averaged 4.6, 4.6 catches for 58.4 yards and totaled five touchdowns. Now, with Dak back, I fully expect his targets to go upwards to what he was averaging when Dak was healthy, and that was around 7.3 targets through the first four weeks. And Lamb could 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 even garner more targets. You know, now that it's his sophomore season, he's more comfortable with the offense. Uh, so to me, Lamb is a no-brainer pick in the fourth to fifth round um, of your drafts. And if I can get him as my wide receiver too, I would be doing backflips. I would be jumping for joy. So now I'm going to give the mic to you, Kevin, and just go off on your boy CD. Yeah, CD is a smash, guys. Like in this offense with how bad our, our defense is, with that, with Dak being back, everybody has seen the splits between Dak being there and not being there on the field. And even in 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 half PPR formats, he was wide receiver 12 with Dak. In PPR formats, he's going to be in that wide receiver 8 category already if Dak was to stay healthy. I, I think CD is going to lead the team in targets. He's going to lead the team in yards and touchdowns. Like that's – and again, granted – I am not an Amari Cooper guy at all. So those Amari Cooper stands out there, I know you're out there. I do think Amari is going to be fine. I just think that CD is going to lead the team in all three categories. But I also think the Cowboys are going to basically uh, – I do think the Cowboys are going to basically lead the team. All three wide receivers are going to have 1,000 yards receiving. So I think that Dak's going to have a huge year, QB one number year. So that's why I'm going to, I'm going to fall on the CD lamb train. And if I had Justin Jefferson right now, I would trade Justin Jefferson for CD lamb. That's how much I believe in CD lamb. That's a hot take, Kevin. I I would do it. I love it. Just because like I said, you know, you know, like Justin Jefferson, his defense is going to get better, you know, like on the Vikings, they're getting back key defensive players he might not be needed as much, whereas Lamb is going to be needed a ton this year with that Cowboys defense ranking bottom of the league. So, I mean, I I think I think that's a hot take, Kevin, to trade Jefferson for Lamb, but perhaps you can take advantage and do like, you know, Jefferson for Lamb plus a future first or like something else that you need help with, and they would probably e- easily easily take that deal, right? Yeah, so I've seen him go straight up in a, in a league. They just swapped, which is weird to me. Really? Like, I'm not going to do that if I have Jefferson. Like, I'm going to get something else back. Really? Like, ex- especially because I think Justin Jefferson's perceived value is the highest it's going to be. We talked about that last last week. And I wrote I just wrote a column uh, for Dynasty Rewind and their Patrons, and I talked about that. Um, Justin Jefferson's going for CMC. That is Justin Jefferson's value right now. Like wow. They basically in a package for CMC. So if you can take Justin Jefferson and get CD, who I think will finish ahead of him, in a, in a high-powered offense. And for dynasty-wise, the reason why I want CD Lamb is because of Dak Prescott. I know that I have CD Lamb with Dak. 
who is Justin Jefferson going to be with for the next couple of years? Kirk Cousins, fine. That's okay. Right. But Kirk's going to go away. It can't be Kellen Mond. Trust me, it cannot be Kellen Mond. Stop <laughs> wasting draft picks on Kellen Mond in right. the third round. Uh, it's just not going to be there. So that's what worries me the most for a dynasty. But I'm smashing CD. CD is my guy this year. I think he's going to finish the wide receiver one. And for redraft purposes, that's a hell of a grab. Probably when the, what, the fourth round? Right. Right, right. That's a great point, Kevin. I didn't even think about it. But last year when I was doing a dynasty setup, I didn't know where Dak was going to be the following season. So I went with Deshaun Watson. Sad face. Uh, but, you know, had, had had I known that Dak was going to be there for the next four to five years, I would have I would have smashed Dak all day. So knowing that Lamb's going to have Dak that's huge. So that, that, that is a, that is a great point that you bring up. Yeah. I mean, I know that in dynasty, some guys always talk about like, well, um, you know, talent trumps it. Like, look at what Allen Robinson did. Look at what these guys do. And that that's, yes, that's the case. But look what happened last year. with The Cowboys with Andy Dalton throwing people the ball. Like it just didn't work. It limits their ceiling. So mm-hmm. I always look to try to pair my, my wide receivers up. Do they have a good quarterback? Do they have an excellent quarterback? Not like Baker, these guys. Like, can we get a top five quarterback with these guys? And, and some withstanding, Lamar, those type of guys, yes, they have their issues. But a guy like Dak, Mahomes, all those guys, just elevates their receivers up. So when I'm doing that, I'm going to look to pair with them. That's why I like CD a little bit more than Jefferson this year. Um, and we'll go on there. So we, so I think that's all with CD. Um, since we have a comment, we might as well get right into it. Uh, and this is Jacob's guy. So right. our next kind of guy, breakout guy is Jerry Judy. So what do we think of Jerry Judy, Jacob? This is all you though. This isn't one of mine. Um, I'm going to let Jacob take this one. All right. So Jerry Judy, he was considered by many draft draft guys to be the best wide receiver heading into the 2020 NFL draft. Now, I don't know what your thoughts were on that, Kevin, last year. Did you have Judy or Lamb ranked higher before the draft? Lamb was my wide receiver one going into that, but Judy was my number two. Okay. And then Jefferson was three. Okay, nice. So Judy's route running ability, you know, was all the rage and he did not, he did not disappoint, you know, like in practice, in game, his route running skills were, up to par, if not already one of the best in the NFL. Uh, you know, Judy actually had more targets than CD Lamb last year, only by two targets. But you know, with those seven point one targets that Judy averaged last year, he only he only caught three point three receptions for fifty three and a half yards, and only totaled three touchdowns. Judy, he winded up finishing as a wide receiver 43 on the season. A few reasons why I am optimistic about about a sophomore breakout is just simply time. You know, last offseason, Drew Locke, you know, he was given he was given the keys to this offense at a very early age with only a few games under his belt. I don't think he was ready, but I think I think that the Denver Broncos said, you know what? We have this incredible offense. We have this, we, you know, like we have a veteran in Melvin Gordon. We have Cortland Sutton. There is no reason why this high upside guy in Drew Locke can fail. Lo and behold, he had a COVID ravaged off season. He did not look ready. He was a deer in headlights. He was throwing off his back foot. Every other throw, it was extremely maddening, but it, it wasn't, all Drew Locke's fault because Jerry Judy did have a lot of drops. Uh, and that was actually a concern coming out of college. Um, you know, he, he, he has, he has incredible route running ability, incredible feet, but he had these drops and it was maddening. Um, so I just think, you know, a full, you know, okay. And not to mention Cortland Sutton is coming back, which it's going to take attention off, off of, Jerry Judy and Jerry Judy is going to be matched up with most teams, cornerback twos, uh, which, which is even better. And he's going to create even more distance when he runs his routes, uh, making it easier for drew lock or even Teddy Bridgewater. If the Broncos win the job, I think that Jerry Judy is primed to have a breakout year and he's going as wide receiver 36. So, I mean, he is going as a bottom barrel wide receiver three where I think that he can end up as a mid to low wide receiver two, as far as consistency goes. And he's going to, and he is going to pop off 
for those wide receiver one weeks. You know, as long as Sutton's healthy and Fant's healthy, you know, Judy is not going to garner a lot of attention on the defensive side. So I think he's a pretty safe pick as the wide receiver 36. And I would love to have him as either on my bench or just, you know, as my wide receiver three. No, I like that. I, I do want to temper. I mean, he did have a D he had 10 drops last year, so he does right. need to improve there. Like yeah. he definitely had that. Now, how much that can be contributed to poor quarterback play? Probably a lot. Like we're going to talk about Darnell Mooney here in a minute. It's kind of the same thing. Um, untapped air yards that he didn't get. So I understand that about Judy. I just, I, I, I agree. Like I love Judy's talent. Um, and we both think that Locke's probably going to win that job. Like mm-hmm. I think they really like Locke. Uh, Bridgewater is the safer choice, but I think Locke gives them the best chance to win. So I think they're going to go with Locke. I could see both of them splitting some time. Um, There's a lot of targets to be had, though. I mean, there's a lot of targets they're going to deal with there. He's going to have to compete with Sutton, who's coming back, who I really like. Fant's going to be there. You got Tim Pat. You got some of those guys there he's going to compete with. Um, I currently have him. I was looking at my stuff while you were going just so I could give you a heads up. So I, I have him get about 112 targets. 112, 120 targets in that range, uh, and just under 1,000 yards and five touchdowns. Would you be okay with that, or do you feel like he's going to do better? I think in a 17-game season, he's going to do a little bit better. I think he's going to get just above 1,000 yards, like around like 1,000 and, you know, like 50-something. I think that he's going to be more – he's going to be heavily involved. He's going to – you know, he's going to get more more chemistry with – with his quarterback this year. Um, Mm. I think, I think those are fair numbers. I just think he leaps into that top, top, top 24 to Mm -hmm. 30, you know, instead of the wide receiver 43, he's going to get a consistent drew lock. Hopefully, you know, like they're going to get that chemistry, but him, him getting like, the team's second best cornerback that's only going to bode well bode well for judy yeah and i think he's a, he, he's pretty a pretty good steal right now in dynasty startups like so when you're looking at his adp he's going as wide receiver 31 so for example he's going after guys like juju so juju's getting taken before him devonta smith's getting taken before him um kenny galladay Corlin sutton's taking uh, five picks before or five wide receivers before him uh, adam thielen guys like that are going before judy but i don't mind grabbing judy as like my wide receiver four if i can maybe get him on my dynasty roster because of like you said that ceiling but i can't like talk about how important quarterbacks are with cd and then be like oh yeah well you got to smash judy too because we do have some quarterback issues there. Uh, and I think that's, it's fair to say like Judy's got to have that. I get it. Now the dream in Denver and the hope is that Denver is going to trade for a quarterback, at least next year, like a competent quarterback. They're going to make a splash if drew lock just does not pan out. So I know that's all conjecture and it's, you know, it's coming from a Denver, a Denver guy. Um, but I mean, you know, if you're thinking, Dynasty, Kevin, would you be comfortable with trading like a late first round pick for Judy or is that just too high of a price? Uh, I think that's a little too high for me right now. Uh, But like you said, you got to get out of the head of it. So if you trust Judy and you think he's going to get a breakout late first in next year's class, I'm not that worried about. I wouldn't give up a 2023, but I would give up a 2022 maybe late, uh, possibly. But it just depends. Like you said, it's that quarterback play. Like, hey, okay, are they going to trade? They could have had Justin Fields, Jacob. We've talked about this. Like they could have drafted our guy Fields. And we wouldn't have to worry about this. Uh, I'm still still (laughs) – angry over here that they pass up on fields i mean i got off the plane and i saw that they drafted you know they drafted a cornerback i was like okay great but then but then fields was still on the board i i chucked my phone in front i was like no i'm done that's ridiculous fields fields Uh, is the real deal kevin and we could have we could have had him we wouldn't have to worry about any of our fan and Cortland sutton and judy shares but now we now we're still sweating them out but to talk about justin fields it's a good segue we're gonna be talking about my guy darnell mooney uh, right now, his ADP redraft is 130 wide receiver 55, and his ADP for Dynasty is wide receiver 55 as well. So it's actually pretty close to the same. Uh, and we'll talk about this. Now, here's the reason why I like Mooney. Now, um, my good friend Christian Williams, who I, who I do the Debbie Royale podcast with, he tweeted out something today that made a fantasy Twitter pretty upset. He said that he'd rather have Mooney than T. Higgins this season. Uh, and I thought that was spicy, spicy take from my guy. Uh, but the really the thing about Mooney that I'll just be very quick on is that 
you got to understand how bad his quarterback played last, last year. You know, he garnered 29 most potential air yards in the NFL. So he garnered the most potential air yards, but he ranked 10th in the NFL in unrealized air yards. So over hmm. 739 of his yards were unrealized, meaning that those deep throws didn't connect. So on the season, Mooney only had two drops on nearly 100 targets. So he's sure-handed. He catches the ball. Uh, and he wasn't – so it shows that he wasn't really responsible for those missed air yards. It wasn't the drops who it was. It was the inaccurate quarterback play that he had. And actually, 73 of his 98 targets were catchable. That's it. So mm-hmm. you're looking at that. So basically, he had to deal with 25 uncatchable balls the whole season. So essentially, 20 of those targets were contested. So really, like when you're looking at what he had to deal with, he was one of the best wide receivers to get open, create separation, have potential air yards, but his quarterbacks couldn't give him the ball. If he would have realized his true catch rate, which was 83%, that means if you take out all the bad throws and you just look at what he could have caught, he would have had 70 catches, 800 yards, and five or six touchdowns, which puts him at wide receiver 30. So had he had just a competent quarterback play, he could have been wide receiver 30 last year, and we're talking about him in a whole different mindset. Right. So, so are you at all worried about Anthony Miller there? No, not at all. I'm not, I'm not scared of Anthony Miller. Uh, I, I think Anthony Miller's had his turn and had his shot, but I, yeah. I don't see a serious scenario where Mooney's not the wide receiver two in that offense. Now, okay. what that offense looks like, depending on – so I, I think I'd be more hesitant at drafting Mooney in redraft than I probably mm-hmm. would be drafting him in dynasty because I don't know – I think the Bears are just stupid enough to start Andy Dalton just just dumb enough to start him more games that's going to limit as we saw with the Cowboys last year their ceiling here where Fields is going to definitely help Mooney's kind of ceiling and I think that helps and I don't know if you saw the quote from Mooney recently he said man my first ball thrown to me by Fields I just lit up and smiled because it was actually on target like he has that connection with with Fields so I love that. I just know the Bears are stupid, and I know the Bears make dumb mistakes, and it's going to be Dalton, and it's going to limit him. So in redraft, especially in your kind of thing, that'd be someone you're picking up off the waiver wire. I yeah. would be watching him yeah. for that Dalton news to go. But in Dynasty, I mean, listen to some of the receivers going before him. I Corey Davis. Are you on the Corey Davis train before Darnell Mooney? Mm, no, no, I'm not. It's, I don't like Marquise, Corey Davis being the guy. You know, I like him as you know as like a wide receiver too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark, Marquise Brown. No. Yeah. Mike Williams, who I do like, but he can't stay healthy. Right. Like, I understand that with Herbert. I get that upside there. Uh, other guys, Henry Ruggs, who you have mentioned. I don't necessarily mind Henry Ruggs, mm-hmm. but I think we kind of know what Henry Ruggs is. I know we got the draft capital. Uh, right. But the other two, like Devontae Parker. Are you kidding me right now? You're drafting Devontae Parker over Darnell Mooney and Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't see the upside with that kind of selection, especially around that same ADP. That to me just screams floor. Like, you know, like Mooney has a ton of potential. He has, he has a very high ceiling, but all those other guys being taken before him have proven it, uh, you know, with a little bit of more competent quarterback play. But like you said, as long as field starts sometime, Mooney is going to ball out just because a better quarterback play translates to better wide receivers it's just it's science right so you know like we are just hoping and praying that field starts by like week three yeah damn right it's science that's all you get in the show is science science takes uh from us teachers over here that aren't that aren't science teachers but i mean but it's it it is i mean when you're looking at it and it just like at that point if you're in a if a dynasty league and you can grab mooney for that I would do it as far as uh, like what his value is on the trade market. I think it varies. You could find someone like me that really likes Mooney uh, or people trying to capitalize on him. I got him for a second round pick, basically a 16 team league, which I finished second in. So a late second round in a 16 team league, which is like an early third from Mooney. Uh, And that was pre like camp, you know, mini camp buzz and all that kind of stuff. Right now you're probably looking at like an early second. Okay. I'm okay with that depending on the roster and how you look. Like if you think Mooney can be it. But remember, if well, let's say Robinson goes down or let's say Robinson with his contract, other issues that are going on, Mooney could realistically slip in if he, he takes that next step, that sophomore breakout like we think. He could be wide receiver one, right? Right, 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 right. Absolutely. To me, he doesn't profile as that just because he's 5'10". Yeah. But, you know, Tyreek Hill is a wide receiver one and – you know, he's five foot one. So well, you know, like I'm not going to 
I'm not going to be like a, a heightist here, but even if <laughs> Mooney stays as a wide receiver too, he should eat. Now, again, I will say in redraft, like you said, I, I'm keeping Mooney in my back pocket, you know, like, yeah. on, you know, you know, like on, on the watch list because even Allen Robinson's going to struggle with Andy Dalton at the helm. But once Fields comes in, I feel like Fields is going to look downhill and Mooney is is an athletic freak. So I think that he's going to find Mooney early and often when he gets the call. Yeah, and I, I look at Mooney as being kind of like uh, Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State wide receiver they have there now. Okay. Pretty good comp. They, they have pretty much similar athletic profile. Garrett Wilson is obviously a better prospect, but just kind of maybe that connection that he could have the ability to kind of get downfield what with fields. I really like those two that comp for them uh, and they can play well together. So, so those are our four guys. We got Cam Akers, we got CD, we got Darnell and Jerry Judy. Uh, anything else on these guys before we move on, Jacob? I love it, man. I love the list. And I think that all those guys, if I got them on one team, even in redraft, if Judy's on my bench and Mooney is in my back pocket on the watch list and stuff, I'd be feeling real good. Yeah, no, I, I would too, and I believe in those guys. Like, I, I these are the four guys. Even even Judy, like I understand the talents there. Right. Uh, the, the hesitation I have is quarterback play, but these four guys, I do think have potential to break out for the reasons why we talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is where you upside. It's how you win leagues. Uh, now we're going to switch to our next segment, which we're still trying to find a name for. So, any listeners out there, if you can help us out with some Mario themed kind of leagues what we like to do is talk about redraft and dynasty together and we wrap up there either with questions from you guys or ideas that we have uh, from a dynasty outlook and a redraft outlook so anybody out there if you guys got some name ideas here we are running out of creativity uh to our to our degree here yeah so if you guys can one up my suggestion which was going (laughs) off of a mario kart like a Triple red shell or blue shell, please chime in and please give a better name because I know that was very weak. <laughs> yeah, we're we're all right, but I couldn't think of one, so I can't really complain here. But let's move on to the next segment, which is to be named later. And what we are going to talk about is our dynasty segments right now. And so what first thing we're going to do is um, and I'll let I'll go ahead and let Jacob kind of ask me and some guys that, that I like here. Yeah, so so as a deep dynasty manager you know i am in a 14 team league and there are no free agents or just like you know we just had like our rookie draft who should i who should i be keeping my eye on during the offseason training camp and in preseason like or who can i possibly stash right now to be ahead of the curve and see if this guy actually actually pans out yeah so i have uh when i when i was looking at this and and for my dynasty kind of sleepers and i don't know it depends on the leagues you're in if you're in degenerate leagues like us a lot of these guys aren't sleepers but i know a lot of people aren't like that so here are some guys that you can kind of get towards the end i think a fourth round third round depending on where they're going right now um larry roundtree from a running back from los angeles uh, chargers i've been pretty high on Roundtree for a while i think if you have eckler you should have tried to grab roundtree because he's probably going to be uh eckler's backup there in, in los angeles maybe not right away but i think he's going to vault there if you don't know who roundtree is he was a four-year starter in the sec of missouri so he has that sec pedigree he's 510 216 big frame he's not overly great at anything but he's a very solid runner. Like when we're talking about it, he, he's not overly fast, but he shows good burst. Uh, he showed up at the senior bowl, had a very good senior bowl. He's not the strongest, but he's elusive between the tackles. The big unknown for me is he's not really a pass catching back. He never really had to do that in Missouri. Are the Chargers going to want that? I don't know because of the new regime that's going to be there. Eckler's going to be there. They kind of have him for that. So I can see Roundtree maybe finding a role for himself in that offense. Um, And basically his price is either 405 to 412 or undrafted right now. Uh, And so I'm I'm going to grab Roundtree. I think Roundtree is a good option for you late. Okay. Okay. That's solid. I'm just thinking like the Chargers have so – they have Eckler and then they have Joshua Kelly um, and then they have uh, Justin Jackson. So it's like, you know, can Roundtree, does he have the ability to leapfrog at least like Justin Jackson? 
Uh, I would. I think he's going to leapfrog Joshua Kelly. I don't like Joshua Kelly that much. I don't. I think he was very overrated. He had one game, and he was like, "Oh, Joshua Kelly, he's a thing. He's not a thing to me." Uh, I think Justin Jackson will be there, so I do think that he's that second guy there. But I think he can leapfrog Kelly, be that third running back in that room. Eckler has been hurt. Can he contain that full load? Justin Jackson, he didn't look amazing last year. So as far as dynasty-wise, it kind of depends on deep your benches are. But he's a guy that you you take a shot on late. Hopefully you get a couple touchdowns maybe in the red zone type of type of action from him. Solid. Solid. So uh, uh, give us some more guys, Kevin. Yeah, I'll, I'll go through these a little quicker. Uh, Nico Collins, wide receiver from Michigan, my Michigan Wolverines, who I love. And I think that he's a very solid talent. He's going to the – the Desert Island, which is the Houston Texans right now, and we don't necessarily know where that's going to be. The targets are going to be there for Nico. Uh, I, I do think he's going to step in. He's got a big frame that he can definitely, if Deshaun is healthy, that's a guy that I would try to maybe grab. So Nico's a guy, especially like even – I think he has some sneaky redraft kind of like late ad stuff going on there because depending on what their receiver room looks like and Brandon Cooks, he stayed healthy relatively last year with his concussions. Uh, so They got to throw the ball to somebody. Uh, I know they said they're going to be a running back team, but whatever. The Texans are a dumpster fire. But in, in Dynasty, I think he does have a good athletic profile, so an okay draft capital. Uh, another guy, Jacob Harris, tied in from L.A. Rams, is getting a lot of play lately in the news. Uh, McVay talked him up. I could see him taking over as a second tight end in that offense. So Jacob yep. Harris is a it's interesting stash. Like that's a big taxi stat, um, squad stash if you have him. I, I will say his price is going up. So in a depleted right. league right now, he just went 102. So he's, and this is like and a beast. Yeah, yeah. He, and he and he's measurables are great. Like when you look right. at his player profiler, uh, he played well at UCF and he's versatile. He's six five two nineteen. So he's kind of that tweener. Uh, so they're going to move him around a little bit. And especially right. in McVay's offense, I can see it. I don't necessarily think he's a tight end. I think he's a versatile H back mm. kind of move him around, can play mm. different positions and maybe get in the slot a little bit. So I like his versatility and getting compared to McVay. He's not bad, but like I said, in a depleted draft, he just went one Oh two. So his price is starting to get a little high. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I got to shout out my guy from Kent State. And this is a guy who was really high on um, pre-workout, pre-combine. Isaiah McCoy, he's on the Steelers team. He's not going to see any run this year. So I want everybody to know out there that in that crowded wide receiver room, I have a hard time seeing him breaking the practice mm-hmm. squad. But he's a very good wide receiver who has a – I think the one thing I love about Isaiah McCoy from Kent State the most is that his drive, he works his butt off. He always had that like kind of like that mentality, that underdog mentality. So if anybody can make it off the practice squad, I feel like it's McCoy. Let's say Juju leaves. Let's say James Washington maybe kind of they, they move on from there. Then you kind of have McCoy slip in there if you can make that team next year. Uh, but Isaiah McCoy is definitely someone I'm keeping on the radar. Yeah, so he's kind of like a project. Whereas, oh yeah, like you said, like James Washington. I mean, I feel like I feel like Pittsburgh should just move on. So once they finally do, uh, you know, it's going to be like you said, Juju and and Chase and, and Deontay, and then you know, you know, why not? Why not take a stab on on a McCoy, Isaiah McCoy. Yeah, he's this is a project, yeah. like a project project but i liked him i liked his profile coming out nice why not so yeah i mean yeah especially if you're a dynasty and you got deeper benches um if you don't obviously but he's someone just to keep an eye on i don't think he's going to be there um, an option this year Uh, but those are my guys larry roundtree nico collins jacob harris and isaiah mccoy would be the four guys i would look at what about you and redraft who are some guys going outside the top whatever that you have on four for four that you're looking at as like potential sleepers yeah, so I was looking at guys going outside the top at 125. Um, okay. So I touched up on Henry Henry Ruggs last week as he's going to be a more consistent low-end wide, wide receiver three option instead of just being a best ball dart throw. Um, you know, I think that John Gruden's going to manufacture touches for him. But I wanted to start it off with Russell Gage. And I know that he was the popular name right after Julio Jones's uh, – trade to the to Tennessee but Gage is still currently being drafted in the middle of the 12th round as wide receiver 57 
you know, and Julio Jones's departure leaves behind roughly 7.6 targets per game heading into the 2021 season. And over the last seven weeks of the 2020 season, Gage averaged 8.1 targets. And on those 8.1 targets, he averaged 5.3 catches and 58.1 yards while totaling three touchdowns. So I'm thinking with the full offseason, you know, knowing that he is the next man up and that he could and that he is the wide receiver too, right behind. Ridley, you know, some argue that he could be the wide receiver three and Kyle Pitts is the wide receiver two now, but Gage knows that offense. He's been there for a few years. So there is something to be said about that chemistry with Matt Ryan right off, right off the bat. Uh, So I believe that Gage has the ceiling to be a consistent wide receiver three and could realistically have some wide receiver two weeks next year. Uh, So Russell Gage, keep your eyes, you know, I mean, in the 12th round, why not take a stab on that? on that upside. Um, yeah. I like Russell Gage. And like you said, I think he'll have some games. Now you got to pick the right games. Like you got to, you're going to have to do that well, but he does. He's, he's a very solid floor kind of wide receiver at that point. I've always been a big guy in Gage uh, and, and, and I'm happy for him because I think he's going to have a little bit of a mini breakout. Yeah. 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 I mean, plug him as your wide receiver three. And I think you'll be pleased with the consistent, you know, He'll have yeah. up games. He'll have mediocre games, but I don't think he'll ever have duds. Um, yeah. All right. So let's move on to to a veteran tight end by the name of Jared Cook. Cook yeah. is Cook is currently being drafted at the start of the thirteenth round as tight end eighteen. Uh, Cook with Hunter Henry's departure, Cook is sliding right into that tight end one role. Uh, Henry had 93 targets in 14 games last season, which equates to 6.6 targets per game. Cook was a solid option for for the Saints last last season and should be a solid security blanket for sophomore quarterback Justin Herbert. Uh, Now, I don't necessarily think that Cook will be on the field a ton at age at age 34. So volume could be an issue, but he's going to be a weekly tight end threat thanks to his height and size. Now, a side note, Cook has played his best ball and produced his best receiving totals to ever since turning 30. So he has gotten better with age. He has gotten more run at his later age, you know, like it like it has taken Jared Cook a while to bloom. Um, so even though he's 34, he sh- he should be he should be solid, and he is being taken as a tight end 18 in the 13th round, basically being undrafted. So those brave fantasy managers who stream who stream the tight end position should take a chance and draft the 13 year veteran and hope that Herbert clings on to him in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, I think Cook burnt, um, burned a lot of managers last year, beginning of the year, but yeah. he still had, like, towards the end of the year, he had 11, 12, 11, 14. So if you're streaming, that's kind of what you're looking for, right? Yeah. Those numbers and then hopefully a touchdown. Exactly. And he is a touchdown threat every yeah. week. Um, you know, yeah. he scored seven touchdowns last year. We won't harp on Jared Cook anymore. Jared <laughs> Cook is, is a solid value and a streamer. Now let's move on. Uh, <laughs> so. My last sleeper pick is Philip Lindsay. Lindsay is currently being taken at the end of the 13th round as RB 53. Now I know what you're thinking. You're like, ugh, I'm not taking anyone in that Houston backfield except for David Johnson. They already got Mark Ingram and Rex Burkhead. Well, I mean, Lindsay had back to back 1000 yard rushing seasons to start his career off with and he played behind an atrocious Broncos offensive line. And he bought, you know, he found every single he found every single running lane and had so many home run plays. He knows how to he knows how to find those seams. And I know it's going to be a similar story with Houston whereas they don't have a great offensive line, they're not going to have a threat of passing at all, you know, if it's a Tyrod Taylor. Um, so I just so I know that the cards are stacked up against Lindsay, but they've been stacked up against him his whole career. Um, now he he is 
26 years old, which is three years younger than the next youngest running back in David Johnson. So he has like that. He, he can provide a spark to that Houston Texans offense that those three aging veteran running backs just cannot, just cannot provide. And I actually have a conspiracy theory that the Houston Texans really just want to trade all, all of these running backs during the season so that they can just stockpile stockpile draft picks since they pretty much screwed themselves over with, you know, just like giving away their first round picks um, and stuff. So I think that, that Philip Lindsay as the RB 53 is insane value. And I would be stashing him on my bench on all of my fantasy leagues because he's pretty much not going to be drafted by pretty much, pretty much, pretty much anyone. Yeah. No, I, Hey, you know, I mean, I like Lindsay. Uh, someone's going to break out that backfield, right? And I'm not a David Johnson guy, so I, I don't mind going the Lindsey route and just and just hoping, especially right. redraft, because it's like, whatever. I mean, I have him on some yeah. dynasty teams. I can't get rid of him. I'm hoping that he has a couple good games, and if right. I need to ship him from a team, I can. Um, but I'm a guy that gave up a second-round pick for Lindsey going for it last year, and obviously that didn't work out. But I have faith in him. I think that he could do it. I will say that – Philip Lindsay dealt with a toe injury the whole year, but he gutted it out because he just, he plays no matter what, if he can physically do it, he will be out on the field, but it was to his detriment that he did that because he struggled all of last year. And if he is truly over that toe injury, then, then he should be able to ball out. Even if the Houston Texans offense itself is garbage, which it will be. Yeah. Which it will be. So, uh, (laughs) but we're hoping that someone can get the targets yeah. in the rushing yards there and go from there. Yeah. Uh, all right, anybody, any other sleepers you got? No, those are all my sleepers. I mean, like I was going to touch up on a Rashad Perriman of Detroit just because <laughs> there's no targets to go around, but I don't really want to waste our listeners time. I mean, like he's going as a wide receiver 68. So, I mean, if you want to take a stab or just put him on your watch list, I would, you know, like I would bet that either him or your boy Tyrell Williams, like you're saying, he, you know, he's a deep threat too. So, you know, watch out for this Detroit, you know, like this Detroit Lions offense because they're probably going to have to like catch up every single game and someone's going to have to get those targets other than Hawk, right? Yeah, but the only problem is is Jared Goff's throwing the ball. And if Jared Goff's throwing the ball, I don't know if that ball is going to get anywhere close to the intended target. Uh, so Which it might just fair. go to Hawk on default. Which is fair, but, you know, you have to trust one of those White House, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm just going to move – We'll move it on from there. But, hey, we appreciate you uh, tuning in tonight. We definitely went over, you know, we went over Cam, CD, Darnell Mooney, Jerry Judy, some sleepers on both sides. We touched on the Cam Newton news. Anything else for tonight? Oh, man, that's it, Kevin. I just want to say how much of a blast this is and how much I appreciate all you listeners out there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. We'll catch you next week, same time. If you want to watch it live, we're live every Tuesday at 7.30 Eastern. Uh, and you can catch us on Twitter at Triple Play Fantasy. If not, always hit that subscribe button on podcast, and we'll check you guys out next week.